I neglected to mention earlier your uh, insert for the deacon nominations. This is not your only Sunday to do this, and so uh, we are inviting you to be in prayer about uh, seeking the Lord to lay names on your heart and mind of uh, people that you think um, God would have you put forward and recommend to uh, be uh, serve as a deacon for the next three years. Uh, so if you haven't come ready to do this today, let me encourage you to maybe take this home with you and uh, let it be a prayer reminder this week and maybe have it out as you're praying and maybe God will lay some names in your heart and pray through them. And uh, we really want this to be a prayer-filled moment, not just a, uh, a quick uh, jot down a few names of people you like and uh, submit them. So, um, so take a look and take some time to pray about that and you'll have some uh, opportunities the next couple of Sundays to uh, present those um, and to share them back here on a Sunday morning. We are finishing today our series on spiritual disciplines, a series that we began uh, right after Easter. And uh, we have been working six weeks up to Easter talking about who Jesus is and uh, the life that he calls us to and the difference that a personal relationship with Jesus makes for an individual life and a, a community like this. And since then, we've been talking about some of the ways in which we grow, some of the things that God has given us that are where our spirit can be formed in Christ's likeness. And spiritual disciplines mostly are about putting ourselves in a position before God so that He can do in us what we need, the things we can't do for ourselves. So things that we, we need, but, but we can't engage in it by direct activity. So we, we do spiritual practices and we take on routines in our life that allow God to put into us the things we most desperately need. Now, uh, we titled it, believe it or not, because some of these things seem a little paradoxical and uh, tried to be uh, a little fun with some of the titles and things, but I want to, if you could pull up the next slide, I want to let you know that as we've gone through, we've kind of gone back and forth between uh, disciplines of abstinence, things that we intentionally stop doing for a good reason and purpose, or things that, that we do, we engage in on purpose so that God can do some things in us. We've looked at disciplines of abstinence like Sabbath keeping, and why is it important every week to have a moment of pause and not be continually swept along with the craziness of the world? And what does God do in our lives when, when we implement a regularity of Sabbath Keeping or uh, fasting, taking a moment to maybe regularly of, of stepping away from physical food so that God, we can be reminded that God nurtures our inner life. And uh, I had a lot of comments about uh, that a particular topic and how interesting for some it was to think how God deeply touches the inner world when we're able to, in an ongoing way, fast. What was another one? Oh yeah, self-denial. Uh, thinking about self-denial, what does it mean to uh, consider others better than ourselves and to, to put ourselves last so that others can be promoted forward? And how does God work in our lives through that? And then there are disciplines of engagement that we've looked at, like prayer. Why do we engage in prayer life? We're going to pick that up a little bit more again today. Or Bible reading, why is it important? That we take the Bible and, and we interact with the Bible in a regular way. Because it's God's gift to us and, and what God does in us. And then Steve and I had the great uh, joy, joy for me at least, Steve, to, uh, to tandem teach about worship. And to talk about why it's so important for us to engage in the discipline 
of worship and to prioritize gathering ourselves together and not neglecting that and not easily letting other things come and replace or uh, trump or become more important to us than regularly worshiping a God together. And it's appropriate today that we wrap up our series with the discipline of celebration. And you may think, well, celebration isn't something we just spontaneously do. Well, yes, maybe. But I think we see that God invites us to discipline our lives to celebrate Him. And in doing so, we learn the great uh, outflow of celebration, which is joy. In fact, celebration and the joy that comes with celebration is the proper conclusion for spiritual disciplines. Because here's what happens with, with uh, people who are really devoted to the Lord, often historically, is that we can get so wrapped up in, in trying to meet all what we think are requirements for the Lord that we can become quite stuffy. Right? We can become feeling pretty important, or that we're doing the right things and others aren't. Right? And it, it can be easy to be a little judgy, right? <laughs> I know you've not been that, but have you noticed others? Sometimes it feels that way. <laughs> right? So celebration is a great antidote for those types of things because I don't think the spiritual life, I don't think life with Jesus is intended to be something that turns us sour or makes us put on a sad face. Or makes us upset all the time. Life with Jesus is intended to be a life of joy. When the angels came at that first Christmas to announce Jesus' arrival, you remember what he said? I come to bring you good news of great joy. In the Gospel of John, some of the last teachings of Jesus, he talked about the peace that he was going to leave with his disciples, those then and us now. And he also talked about joy that would be left for the people. Joy, a full measure of his joy would be with you and me. There was a study published this year in Psychology Today that describes Americans and Greeks as the most stressed out nations in the world. In fact, the study's been done for the last 12 years and the hot rates have never been higher than what they were when the study was conducted last year. We know what stress and anxiety is like. We know it impacts adults, doesn't it? How many adults have felt anxiety in the last month? Raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, I'm, I'm about to call you a liar. <laughs> if you've not experienced stress in the last few weeks, maybe you're not... I don't know, living or breathing, I'm not sure, but stress and anxiety impacts adults. And we're learning more and more about how it impacts uh, teenagers, how it impacts children, and how especially in this county, uh, uh, it's very uh, overlaid. There's so much stress and so many different factors of life. And God comes to provide, uh, you know, anxiety is not a modern problem only. Anxiety is an ancient problem. And anxiety has an ancient antidote that God has given us. And we're going to look at part of that today in Philippians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, would you open them to Philippians chapter 4? Because anxiety is nothing new. But the solutions we seek for generally in the world are God has given us antidotes 
and its celebration. And it's finding and living in the joy of Jesus. You remember the old song? Some of you might. J-O-Y, down in my heart, deep, deep, down in my heart. I'm so glad I learned that song as a child. Because God reminds me of it occasionally. Because there have been seasons in my life where I haven't laughed anymore. I know some of you kind of, I think, lovingly make fun of my cackle, my laugh. And there was a time when I was a kid, my friends, my friends, uh, called me Woody Woodpecker because of my, the way I laughed. And I remember for a season changing my laugh because <laughs> I didn't want to be made fun of. And as I became adult, I said, that's silly. I'm just going to let it flow. And I love laughing. My family loves laughing. I'm going to see them in, in just a few days. And one of the things that's such a highlight of our family reunions is, is the laughter that we share. But I've experienced seasons in my life where I just I've stopped laughing. I've allowed the, the weight of responsibilities and the anxieties of the world and the stresses of life just suck like a vacuum. The joy right out of my life. And I've begun to recognize that that laughter, at least for me, is a barometer of joy. And when I'm not laughing regularly, there's probably something affecting the joy in my life. And I've learned, too, that I'm probably not celebrating life enough and celebrating the presence of Jesus in me. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. The Bible says this, Rejoice! In the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Let me just pause there. I think the the song the choir sang, what was it? Oh, give thanks. How simple is that? I think if all of us could put that on our playlists, on our phones, or have it spray throughout our homes at least once a day, how much different our daily life would be if we had a, a daily reminder to give thanks. All right. Those are Bryce's words. Let's get back to God's sake. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. So God has provided an ancient antidote for an ancient problem. And a problem that still is very rooted in our day and age. The one of anxiety and stress. And the pathway to meaningful and lasting celebration includes three things. At least here that Paul gives. At least these three. One is praying. One is trusting. And one is mind-setting. So we're going to talk about all three of those in turn. First is praying. Rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Listen, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests 
to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Prayer is the heart of our intimacy with God. And I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, no prayer, low intimacy. If your prayer life is not active and regular, there's very little chance you'll have intimacy with God. God invites you into prayer. God invites you to be with Him. Because prayer is the place where you rest in God. You know, the Bible talks a whole lot more about being in Christ than Christ being in you. It's about you being in the presence, in the person, in the kingdom of God. Prayer is the place where you rest in God. Prayer is the place where you rest from stress. Prayer is the place where you rest from stress. When the world swirls around you, and when the churning deep within you wells up, it is the peace of God that will guard your heart and your mind. The peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. Be anxious about nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, petition, present your requests to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. That word guard is a military term. The word guard is, is a way of picturing, you remember those old castles that dot Europe? Rudy, you've probably seen a few. I once had some friends who lived in France. And I couldn't understand. They were children. I didn't understand. But we used to go occasionally to go see the, the castles of the Loire Valley. And, uh, and these, these children, they, they never would want to go. And they, you know what they would say? They would say, you've seen one castle, you've seen them all. <laughs> I said, no. <laughs> no. But picture a castle in your mind. What do you know about a castle? A good castle that still stands today has a really strong wall, a defensive wall around its perimeter. Some of the really cool ones have a moat and other things, right? But this idea of guarding your heart and your mind is a military term. It's, it's a way of, of separating. It's a protection. And so as you and I enter into our life with Christ, and we do it praying as praying people, as taking this discipline and this habit regularly, daily, where we come and we carve out time in our life, and we say there are not things that are more important than my time to pray and to be present with Christ. Because in our prayer life, we rest in the Lord. And as we rest in the Lord, we find the peace of God that comes and surrounds our hearts and surrounds our minds. He's a protective God, and He does it through our prayer life. Now, as I've said, I'm heading off to a family reunion. I've brought up a lot of fun memories of my childhood. And when I was about six years old, my brother at one of my uncle's house, he pushed me off of the bed. And so if you heard the story, the first thing that hit the ground off this really tall bed was my chin. And I remember sitting there as my bam, hit the ground and my tooth breaks, my permanent tooth, one of them up here, breaks in half and goes across the floor. And I watched it because I wanted to be able to pick it up. And I got up, man, I was in so much pain. And all through my childhood, I would have temporary crowns put on until everything else had formed and stopped growing. 
Uh, almost inevitably, every year before the school photos were taken, my crown would break off about a week before those photos. So I have about three years in a row where I'm smiling at my photos of the big, jagged, broken tooth right in the front. It was not missed. When I was 17, I was uh, with some buddies, and we were having a long-distance diving contest into his uh, in-ground swimming pool. And uh, the good news is that I won. <laughs> I'm a winner. But I paid for it. Because when I dove in, I actually dove in a little too deep, and I hit the, sh- the slope from the shallow to the deep end with my face. <laughs> Thank you. I-, I hear the sympathy. Thank you. It's pretty painful. But as I, I, hit, I hit that thing with my face, I just I thank the Lord I didn't break my neck. But I hit it with my face, and it scratches up, and somehow it reflexively just reached up, and I caught my tooth <laughs> in half. I caught it somehow in the water. And I came up out, and I was like this, and I had scratches all over my chest. And my friend said, you okay? I said, no, I broke my tooth. And it's like, oh, no. I said, no, it's okay. I caught it. <laughs> But when I opened my hand, it wasn't a whole tooth. I was, I've been through this before, many, many years before. I was hoping the whole tooth had come out, and they could put it back in. I didn't know. But it had broken in half. And my very first prayer was, oh God, please let this be the tooth I've already broken. And when I got in front of the mirror, guess what I discovered? It was the other one. So if you've never noticed, next time I smile, look really closely. My dentist still today, he's like, are you happy with those crowns? <laughs> yeah, they still work. Why am I telling you that story? Uh, thank you, I'm the winner. <laughs> right after that, I was like, oh no, it's my other tooth. And then, you know what immediately came into my mind was this passage. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I began to to reflect on that in that moment. And I said, God, I'm going to choose right now to thank you for this. This is weird. (laughs) It's not what I wanted. But I'm I'm going to, I'm I'm asking you to help me not to fret about it. And I'm not, I don't want to be overwhelmed with worry. Um, So I'm just trusting, I'm trusting that you'll take care of this for me. See, we, we face things in our lives. Sometimes we come face-to-face with financial crises, don't we? Business isn't turning out the way we hoped. A job has been lost or transitioning, and I'm not sure what's happening. We wonder about housing. An article just was published in the Marin IJ just a day or two ago talking about how Marin is one of the most expensive three counties in all of the country to rent a two-bedroom home. We can easily get caught up in our worry And so God invites us to rejoice in the Lord. And in place of anxiety, we are to be praying people. We come with thanksgiving and we present our requests to God. Because as you pray, you rest in the presence of God. And as you rest in the presence of God, your mind and your heart are guarded and protected. That's how it's intended to work. So we pray. We pray. Number two, we're praying people. But to be able to pray like this, we have to learn to be trusting 
people. The King James Version. I, I don't read the King James a lot. I'll occasionally look at it when I'm preparing for a study just because I like to see how the different Bible translations translate different passages. And it says in the King James to be careful for nothing. I thought, oh, that's interesting. Be careful for nothing. Well, I didn't know what that meant. So I went and read some Bible scholars and, and what they had to say about it. And basically, that's a, a, an interesting way of saying be carefree. To be carefree in our living. Beloved, the spirit of carefree celebration may be best seen in the Old Testament practice of Jubilee. Have you heard of the Jubilee? Leviticus 25, if you want to make note, you can go back and read about it later. Every 50 years, the Hebrew people were called to the to celebrate a jubilee. And, and during these jubilee years, here's what would happen. Debts were canceled and servants were released back and you were called to plant no crops and you would return property back to its original owner. And all of it was a celebration of the gracious provision of God. It was a way of celebrating that God is a good provider. But here's what, the only way that they could enter into it as a community was by practicing a deep-rooted trust in God. So they were praying people, they were also trusting people. Here's what Richard Foster says about it in his book, The Celebration of Discipline. He says that the Jubilee was a freedom from anxiety and care, and it forms the basis for celebration because we know that God cares for us. We can cast all of our care upon Him. God has turned our mourning, M-O-U-R-N, our mourning, into dancing. So if we're trusting people, if we're praying people, we, we learn to trust God for the future of our children. If we're trusting people, we learn to trust God with the challenges of life, the, the challenging relationships at work, the challenging relationship with our neighbor. We learn to trust God with it, even if it's not resolved in an hour or a week or three months. We learn to wait upon the Lord Because we trust that in His time and in His way, He will bring about the good for His people. So we are to be praying people. We are to be trusting people. Are you still with me? And finally today, we are to be mind-setting people. That was the best way I could figure out getting these words together. Setting your mind. Setting your mind on certain things. And here's where the celebration of discipline comes into play. Verse 8, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And then at the end of that, he concludes by saying, And the God of peace will be with you. So this is where discipline of celebration comes in. That we, as an act of will, we choose to focus our minds on these types of things in the world around us. Rather than allowing the other things, think about the opposite of those words. And how easily, if we dwell in those thoughts, how easily it it allows anxiety and, and the cares of the world to not just wash over us, but to flood over us. And so, we are called, as a practice of will, as a discipline, 
to focus more often on these types of things, on the true, the noble, the right, the pure, the lovely, the admirable. Just think of how much more loving and unified our church body might be should we all focus more on these things. The idea of thinking about them. We, we are called to think about such things. This is like, do you remember back in math class, one of your hard math classes, when you had to spend more than just a couple of minutes on a problem? Maybe you spent half an hour or an hour. Maybe you had to go flip through your math book and find the right formula. And you, you, you scratched your head and you worked it out and it was wrong. And you worked it out again and it still was wrong. You had to keep thinking about it and processing and, and wondering about it and figuring out how it all fit together. That's the same type of word the Apostle Paul uses when he lays out these things. And he says, think about them. Think about them. Really focus on them. Take them into you and let them be a regular part of your life. And the God of peace will be with you. One key result of celebration, I've already mentioned it, is laughter. Regular enjoyment of life's events. I don't know about you, but for me, as I said, laughter is a good barometer of my joy. And when laughter begins to wane in my life, it's usually a reflection that joy is waning as well. And it usually points that I'm not disciplining myself to celebrate the things of God like I ought. Laughter is laughing at the, the events of life. Laughter is also laughing at ourselves. That's part of what celebration is good at, is it helps remind us that we're really not all that special. We are special to God, but uh, we tend to take ourselves too seriously is what I'm trying to say. And so being able to, to step back, so so often... When you, you meet somebody, you know, if I had never met Steve, and I said, hi, Steve, I'm Bryce, and I might want him to say, oh, Bryce, your reputation precedes you. <laughs> right? Have you ever felt that? Like, you just kind of want a good vibe, and you kind of want to be known a little bit somehow, or whatever. Here's what celebration helps us do. It, kinda, it helps shift that desire in our heart that might well up at times, and instead of hearing, your reputation precedes you, maybe hearing a little bit more, your reputation exceeds you. You get what I'm saying? There's a humbling that comes in celebrating. Because in the year of Jubilee, it was a, a taking those who were, who were high and mighty and leveling them down, taking those who were down and out, lifting them up. It was an equalizing uh, factor in the world. And so celebration and laughter helps us to laugh at ourselves It helps us not to take ourselves too seriously. How is your prayer life? How is your prayer life? Are you resting regularly with God who loves you? Do you set aside time every day to pray, to reflect, to see what God is up to in your life? Are you trusting God in all things? Are you waiting on Him when things haven't resolved in the time frame that you hope they would, or you're continuing to struggle through the challenge, find your strength in God? Are you setting your mind on these good things so that you're not allowing your mind to be overwhelmed with the anxieties of the world? An ancient problem with an ancient antidote and one that God invites you into. As people who are praying 
people who are trusting, and people who take time to set your mind on things above, which we're called to frequently in the Scripture. May we do it increasingly. Father, we thank you for this morning. We pray uh, so uh, such gratitude and thankfulness for your word and that it is living and it speaks to us through your Bible. You speak to us. And so we, we want to respond. And, and we don't leave here guilt-laden. We, we hopefully leave here inspired to, to become even more praying people and more trusting people and more people who are setting our minds on things from above. The good things and allowing You and Your peace to guard our hearts and our minds. So help us to celebrate so that we can be people filled with joy. It's in Jesus' name we ask it together now. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing one last song together. It's really a a song of reminding to whom we fix our eyes. It's number 413. Would you... Find that in your hymnal. Let's stand together and sing this.